0: Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show. This week we've got a fantastic guest here. It's Ian Buckman, who's Head of Coaching at Brighton-Hove and Albion. Um, Brighton is a, a top, top club, uh, one of the best-run clubs and academies in the country for me. Um, always uh, really well organised, always really impressive, always liked going there as a coach when I was a, as a, at Tottenham and, and uh, Chelsea. Uh, really, like I say, well organised, uh, staff, top quality, great application of players, and obviously now they've got Dan Ashworth there who's uh, for me one of the best in the game in terms of technical directors so really excited to find out um, what goes on behind the scenes there, what makes it click and what makes it such a top drawer place, uh, top, top drawer academy and obviously really interested to hear uh, Ian's journey as well who's uh, started off working uh, in the community schemes and uh, went to America like myself and uh, first job at Portsmouth in the academy working himself way up to system academy director And then um, moving to Brighton, had numerous roles at Brighton to his his current role as uh, head of coaching. So this is a really interesting, engaging hour or so of of, uh, talking football. And I was trying to get as much uh, details, as much of the the juicy stuff as I could uh, to find out what goes behind the scenes and make this this, uh, great quality academy and club tick. Uh, So I know you're going to enjoy this one. I was really privileged and uh, fortunate to be asked to deliver an in-service for their coaches at Brighton during the lockdown. Uh, talking about my work my dynamic ball ballmaster program and uh, the work I do at uh, some of the top clubs and obviously a lot of the, the pros and stuff I work with so there I had a chance to connect with them and I was really eager to uh, try and get Ian to on the show and I was really really fortunate that he had he found the time is very busy schedule to, to come on and, and chat with us uh, just to let you know the my personal football coach app is now free uh, for individual users you can go and download it from the App Store um, from the iOS or Android, just just search my personal football coach, all one word. It's free now. The Player Pass. Go there, try it. See why it's the, the uh, top technical uh, training ball mastery app in the world. And, uh, and go in there and, and share it with as many people as you like as well. And obviously, look, if you're interested in the club partnership, uh, like I said, Arsenal, Middlesbrough, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, we've got Leyton Orient, Cheltenham Town and hundreds of uh, grassroot clubs uh, around the world who are now taking their club, their coaches and their players to a next level. Uh, just drop me a line, we can set you up a DM. And uh, remember, there's nothing else like it out there. Uh, nothing with uh, my history in terms of working individual players at top clubs and grassroots level and obviously uh, utilised by some of the best academies in the world as well. So um, remember, set up a free demo. You can try it and show it to everyone at your club and let us know your thoughts. But without further ado, let's get into the show. So, Ian Buckman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Saul. Nice to see you. Yeah, you too, mate. Uh, can you just give us a brief outline of your playing and coaching journey up to this point, please?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, my, my journey really and in, in playing career would have been, uh, you know, non-league, um, sort of local leagues. Initially, I uh, grew up on the Isle of Wight uh, with my family over there. So, uh, sort of youth league through there, started playing non-league, um, sort of Newport and then uh, crossing to some of the South Coast teams, Fair and Winchester and, uh, and a non-league career, uh, sort of up to um, sort of Southern League and equivalent to Conference South level back in the day, I guess, and then. Um, you know, from there, they moved into into coaching. Um, I was fortunate in my, my non-league days to work with some really, really good people and, and play with some some people that have been involved in the game at professional levels, and that was always really helpful to me. Um, so when I stepped into coaching, you know, had had some good contacts and, and some good people to link into. Uh, started as as many of us do in terms of community programs and um, various sort of activities, you know, on the island, and and then ventured out, had a spell abroad in the, the U.S. for two years. Uh, which was a, a brilliant learning curve for me, uh, as a coach and as a person. Uh, and then coming back, uh, was a, a little bit of a crossroads, really, in terms of, you know, whether you can pursue the, the coaching route as a career. And um, I was moving towards my late 20s, uh, did my B licence and, and then was fortunate enough off the, the back of that to, to get a role at Portsmouth, um, where I stayed for, I think, about seven years. Um, my first year being the full time the year they won the FA Cup, my, my last day being the, the day the fans took over. So the full the full wow. experience there and then um yeah, then made the move to Brighton. Um my first year we were based at the Amex, the training ground was just just being prepared. Uh, and then we, we moved in here my second season. Um and then a variety of roles at, at Pompey and at Brighton, you know, from development centres through through foundation, youth development, professional development phase into my assistant academy manager roles, and then my, my current role as head of coaching.
0: Fantastic. Lovely. Uh, just so just interesting, you, talk, you mentioned the, you're working in America. So yeah. what, what you doing out there, doing like the camps and stuff out there, were you?
1: Yeah, an old college lecturer of mine was out there and sort of invited us over. So I went out initially for a summer, um, did summer camps. Uh, the, the guy that ran the camps was a, a, an English guy, Tom Rowney, and, and he also ran an academy at a club. Um, so I was fortunate. I did camps and then did some academy work for Tom um and then from there i uh, kind of um got to know the area a little bit got to know some people uh my wife was with with me and um we ended up moving back to another club uh then for an 18 month period and at 18 months over in oregon um great part of the world anyway you know the pacific northwest um some wonderful people uh bit of a Hotbed for soccer, really, with the, the Portland Timbers and the, the Sounders and the Whitecaps. So it's quite a competitive area. Um,
0: what what you what heritage. do you think your uh, what do you think what were the main takeaways you had of your experience in America there? Do you think?
1: Uh, it, it was just a great learning curve for me as a coach. I think, um, like I say, you know, we had a, a full range of experiences across those those journeys with those clubs. You know, from from people that. Have, have not seen a ball before and, and they're literally just starting at the age of five, you know, and, and whose parents have been involved in other sports, other US sports. And so um, really starting from scratch up to competitive programs. So so for me, in terms of, um, as I say, the, the people and, and the, those people skills, first and foremost, it was a great learning curve as a, as a coach to develop players from, you know, like I say, minute one virtually and their, their first experience with the football all the way through to competitive programs. It, it just... Uh, can't do anything but enhance your skill set, I don't think. And, you know, lots of challenges along the way, lots of fun along the way, but uh, a, a wonderful learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, I I, always, I did the same. I did two years at the beginning of my career, and I always talk about the, the main things were obviously the hours on the grass you know doing mm-hmm. two or three hours every single day for like two years and also my personality like you talked about trying to entertain five or six year olds for you know for a week for three hours a day you know suddenly you've got to, you've got, to, yeah, you've got to create some sort of uh, some personality yeah do you, do, you th- do you think do you think that helped those sorts of things held you in good stead for your, your you know your, your, your coaching career in the future yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I think, like you say, a lot A lot of it is just dealing with people, isn't it? You know, and especially in our, our environments, you know, in the academies, it's working with children and it's working with, with young players. And, um, and I think all of those things are key, you know, as you say, it's, uh, having fun and, and creating the environment around them as much as, um, you know, the, the detail of the coaching, if you like. So yeah, we, we developed a, a range of skills, uh, to try and entertain, as you say, in the, mm-hmm. in the, the lunch breaks and, and through the days and the weeks, um, and I say, so fortunate I could balance that off with, with some good level coaching uh, and sort of learn my craft a little bit more with the academy team. So it was a, a nice balance for me. And as I said, certainly something I, I really treasure as an experience, uh, as a coach and, and sort of for, for my wife and I personally, you know. Sorry, so I lost your feed
0: there. Sorry, I got you.
1: Yeah, OK, mate. Sorry, my, uh, the, the feed my end was good. No,
0: I think something but, happened. I think so. So,
1: yeah, I okay. think we a bit of
0: OK, okay Go on then. Okay. So, um, yeah, so let me ask that question again. So um, just tell me then about uh, the opportunity at Portsmouth. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, as I say,
1: when I went on my B licence um, and, and uh, Dave Rice Steve Martin, a couple of the guys that had been involved in there were, were on the course. Um, you know, Pompey at the time was, was starting to kick on a little bit, uh, Paul Hart, Mark Kelly, um, sort of leading the academy there. And it was quite a big setup at that point. So that would have been around 2007, um, looking to bring in more staff. uh, And they offered me a a role there, sort of part-time initially, as I say, sort of working with the foundation groups and development centres and and those types of areas. Uh, I did a year and then came in uh, full-time in a similar type role and and then sort of progressed and developed from there. Um, And over that period, obviously, Pompey went through a lot of, a lot of financial troubles, and uh, it was a, a challenge at times, but also, again, a really good experience for me because we had to really adapt to a lot and really cope with a lot. Um, some wonderful people down there, you know, John Slate, who ran the education program, who's the academy manager now, and uh, some wonderful people that, that really did well to, to keep the academy alive. Um, and a, a lot of good players have come out of that program, um, which I think everyone can be proud of. So um, a very much a time that's that's to my heart and very much a, a period where, uh, as I say, it was a challenge, but but you had to adapt and, and we managed to continue a really productive program, uh, continue to evolve, um, you know, over the years. Uh, Andy Orford, Paul Hardiman, Alan McLaughlin sort of coming in sort of in the, the later stages over there, Guy Whittingham, Mark Chamberlain. So a lot, a lot of players that have played for the club and been around the club. Uh, again, brilliant role models for me to, to learn off of and work with. Um, so really, really valuable for me in my
0: my career. Tell us about the, your like initial experiences then working in those development centers with those young players what are the main you know the the differences the you know the, the contrast between working in America and then working in that academy environment uh, I, th- I think the players
1: here obviously come in with uh, yeah, you know footballs all over the place here you know in the in the schools you know people live and breathe it certainly around the Pompey area you know the the club is is sort of front and center of many things in that area so. The, the kids come in the door. They want to play for Pompey. Um, you know they understand the, the game and they see the game on the TV and and they want to play. Uh, in contrast to the states, as I said earlier, where you know many of the kids are arriving for the first time, they haven't got that sort of referential knowledge of of seeing the game on the television or or what it looks like. Um, I'm going back sort of 20 years now, so so I'm sure that's changed yeah. now with the, the TV <laughs> coverage. But um, from my experiences at that period, you know that would have been the case. Um, so you, you have a good base level to start from. Um, we worked really hard then on the on the technical elements certainly, and and trying to develop those areas. Obviously, building towards the the transition towards the eleven, but but primarily around those ages, you know, it was all getting used use to the ball and um, and developing those techniques.
0: So, can you give us like a like, tell us about then like in the foundation phase there? What was the like the philosophy or the methodology? Give us an idea of like, you know, what what were the what sort of experiences the players getting? Typical session, for example. Yeah,
1: I think back then we used to do a lot of work with the ball, we would do a lot of ball manipulation, uh, a lot of work with the ball in terms of uh, curber type activities and um, ball manipulation work, Uh, as I say, getting comfortable in possession, a lot of movement uh, and linking that with the techniques, uh, progressing that into sort of individual skills and tactics and and then into sort of more gameplay. But again, very much around the individual, you know, creating space and, and movement and timing and uh, and then starting to link all of those things together in that that transition towards becoming part of a team.
0: And so Lynn give us um I mean give us some ideas about then, you know, being at Portsmouth. What are the challenges, you know, in that environment? I always remember going down there with Tottenham, you know, mm-hmm. in the years and always, you know, Portsmouth always a very good tough team to play, was generally tough conditions, you know, windy coastal uh pitches. Yeah. But give us an idea what's the challenges being at uh, you know being a Portsmouth, being, you know, at the time that was, you know, a big academy. But, you know, you have Southampton on your doorstep. I suppose you've got, you know, obviously you've got the coastline there. What are the main challenges there? Yeah, yeah, very very compelling. We haven't got as much
1: in terms of area and residential areas to uh, look into. But at at the same time, certainly around those areas, that can be a strength. You know, I think if you get your local area right and and people are proud of your football club and want to be part of your football club. um, And and certainly that was the case that Paul Proud to be a part of, I think.
0: Interesting. Okay, so tell us a little bit about then your progression uh, to Brighton. How did that come
1: about? Uh, there were just a uh, normal application process and I, I applied for the role. I, I think my, my last season at Pompey was, was still um, very much a, a, an uncertain sort of time at the club. Uh, it was just ahead of the fans' takeover. So, um, you know, I have a, have a wife and a son and, and you need to look after your family as well. And It was the, the first time really I'd look to to move on anywhere after after seven years. Um, and I applied for the roles. Uh, again, Brighton was a similar situation, really, just starting to progress and develop. And a, a lot of new staff had just come in. Um, you know, the club was very ambitious with the, the Amex, uh, probably one or two years old, and the, the training ground being built. Um, so I, I applied and, and came down uh, and, and got the role with the youth development phase uh, and came in there and, and started work. Um, well, so, what so
0: So yeah, so tell us about then, you know, what, the, what were your initial thoughts? What are the differences between... Know, walking through the door at Brighton and what you would experienced at Portsmouth, the initial sorts of uh, experiences. Um, it's hard to say, really, because, uh, you know, I, I'm very, very fond of both
1: clubs. And I love both clubs and um, I, I think every club's a little different. I think certainly when I arrived at Brighton, uh, my interview was at the Amex. Like I say, it was a very, very new stadium. And, and so that was very, very impressive. Um, and also it was, it was more the project really. I met with uh, John Morland and David Burke and, and the project was really, really exciting. Um, the, the club here are very keen to sort of stress the values of the club and, and the, the club generally speaking. So it, it's a, a big project and it's not just the academy, you know, it's not just one aspect of it. It was, uh, you really felt like you come to be part of something uh, really exciting and really special. Um, and, and that kind of was how it, it started to play out uh, I, was, I was fortunate to be offered the role. That, that sort of coincided with um, with Pompey being safe and, and the fans taking over. And, and so that was a, uh, a difficult time to leave, but also a, a nice time to leave in terms of knowing that the club was in good hands and the, the club there was moving forward as well. So it was a, a nice time in terms of seeing Pompey able to sort of stabilise and, and rebuild uh, and also come down here and be part of an exciting project at Brighton.
0: What was lot of the differences in terms of when you, you know, because I've worked at a couple of different clubs and there was a really contrast in terms of the methodology, in terms of, you know, Mm -hmm. what what was delivered. Was there any differences in that? Not not necessarily, you know, value judgment, just saying, you know, was there a difference, a contrast in, you know, what they wanted you to deliver?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think everywhere it's slightly different. You know, um, we're very very much principles-based here. Uh, the, the staff have already always been given a lot of autonomy in terms of how they coach and how they work, a, a lot of flexibility. So, um, you know, at the time, John and Paul Holder, um, you know, who were supporting us in that in that process were, were really good to me and, and helped me settle quickly. Um, we have a, a lot of good staff here, as I said, who all arrived around a similar period, a good core of staff. And so I think it's kind of evolved, you know, from, from that period um a real emphasis on, on sort of brilliant basics and, and making sure the fundamentals of the game are right uh, we've always worked in in the four corners you know as many many would around attack and defending and the transitions um and then we build from there so uh, then establishing our principles and how we work you know that allows us to then i'd like say with that autonomy then to, to add our own um bits and pieces to that in terms of our own sort of unique stamp that you put on as a coach um so like, which, to talk which a bit about nice that. To, able You're... to do.
0: So you talk a bit about the brilliant, brilliant, the brilliant basics there. Yeah. Tell us about that and how does that translate into into your sessions there, for example?
1: Uh, yeah, now, now it's evolved more and more, really. We, we kind of have it as a, a main concept of how we work. Uh, the brilliant basics for us, really, the, the fundamentals of what we do with the players and, and the fundamentals for the players. So a, a lot around technique, um, you know, a lot around... Uh, The detail of technique in terms of uh, passing detail, in terms of ball speed, Uh, as I touched on earlier, ball manipulation time, being comfortable in possession and and mechanics and movement. Uh, We link in very closely now with our strength and conditioning team on that, Um, so it continues to evolve even further. Um, And then other sort of aspects of the game, you know, real focus on attacking 1v1s and defending 1v1s in the, the foundation phase uh linked in with that that team concept around uh passing and as i touched upon earlier then trying to develop the the individual sort of tactics and awareness of space and time
0: so when you so when you did the, your you joined the ydp what age group were you doing or were you, were you uh, i came initially at
1: in 14s, so I had the 14s right. first um and then at that point we worked uh day release across 14 to 16 uh, so i worked with right. all of those age groups uh then i had the 16s role for a period uh, and then up to the 18s So, yeah, that was my coaching so, so, give,
0: so, 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 give us a little bit of an idea, then, the 14s. What would the typical week be for under-14s at Brighton? Uh,
1: I think back in the day, we had day release. Like I say, my first year, we were at the Amex, so the, the players would have come in, we had day release. Um, uh, now, we have one day a week with our 13s and 14s where they come in, so we, they would have education in the morning. We would train a couple of times over the course of the day, uh, get a couple of sessions in, uh, another education session in the afternoon, um, being out of school for that day allows them to sort of take on other um, workshops and other educational opportunities um, around the building, which is great and gives us just that little bit more time. And then we'd have a couple of evenings a week in a game. So, um, again, it gave us that, that little bit more time. We're now in a position here where we do all our education in-house at the training ground. So, again, that's evolved and, and is a real big strength for us to be able to do that. And at under 15 and under 16, the players come in twice a week. Uh, into our programme as part of day release and then, and then work two evenings. So uh, it, it's very much um, a key part of our week uh, and the educational model here is, is really, really important to us. Um, you know, all the way from the from the owner, all the way down, there's a big emphasis on, on educating the players, developing the players holistically and, and developing them as, as good people as well as good footballers.
0: So so you say it's in-house. So, so tell us a bit about that. Mm-hmm. So, so they come in and they'll do their education yeah, so they can yeah. take full-time there then?
1: Uh, Two days a week at the moment, we'd be on the hybrid model, yeah, so they would come in for day release here, so yeah, our our education department would liaise with the schools, Um, and then from there, um, the players come in, like I say, either once or twice a week, depending on their age, Uh, their work's all delivered here by our our bank of teachers, Um, and again, we're very, very fortunate to have a, a big education department and really well supported and resourced. Uh, and that gives us the op- option to then deliver those those two sessions and I said additional sort of strength of conditioning work or psychology program or or other informal education that we would have around the building.
0: And give us an idea of what a typical session would look like in a YDP, for example, if you put one on? Uh, it
1: would vary very day to day. Um, again, sort of we would always make sure there's a brilliant basics component. We'd have individual development plans for the players so they would feature throughout the week. Um, our plan philosophy continues to evolve and, and so there'd also be sessions where we link more in towards our philosophy. So those would be our three main areas really sort of the, the brilliant basics and sort of more technical aspects and fundamentals. Uh, the individual work where we would tend to go either sort of position specific or around a, a key topic and and try and heavily staff that you know with with lower numbers um, or then like so, for less philosophy sessions where we would be working in or out of possession and or transitions and and working more towards a more tactical element if you like so we would normally sort of progress and develop that through the week and that would be the kind of model that we would we would sort of implement from nine through to 16 obviously with with different variations of content and and different variations in terms of, of how much we would deliver of each aspect.
0: And tell us about your own development on that journey as a coach, going from, you know, 14s to 16s. Mm-hmm. I mean, what how, how, tell us about your own evolution and how you developed and yourself.
1: Yeah, huge, huge. Um, it, it would be massive for me. I, I think, as I say, I've, I've been really fortunate, even from uh, going back to those non-league days, where with some brilliant people and I, I always sort of, find new things and, um, and and listen to people and pick up new ideas and, and watch sessions. So similar in that environment, you know, coming in, into here, um, certainly then coming to the training ground where we're all under the same roof, um, you know, gives me access to, to see our 16s and our 18s and our 23s work. Um, the first team staff have always been very, very supportive here. Um, so that period, that would have been Cushu um, and now with the gaffer in charge, uh, you know, the first team were always very, very uh open and and supportive of our learning and development so that, that's a big big strength for us here i think so you know with with all of those opportunities i i think you can't help but but improve um and, and i just think it's a constant learning journey i look back and you you realize mistakes you made and, and things you could have improved on and things you could have done better um and, and i think that's still that's still the case now you know you, you're always trying to be um more forward-thinking and have that growth mindset around, around your own development and your own self-awareness. Um, and certainly, you know, you you look back and think you could have done things slightly different. But um, at the time, as I say, you're always trying to, to give the players their best. Um, and, and out of that programme, you know, which like I say a lot, a lot of people have been involved for a long time now, you know, we, we're, we're fortunate that one or two are starting to break through into the first team.
0: You talked about a little bit there about, you know, your growth mindset and developing yourself and you know the in-house mm-hmm. support you get. What are there any other things you do, maybe yeah, externally to to support yourself and try and develop yourself? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I was I was very very fortunate. I, when I sort of stepped in, I'd been here a couple of years and I got the opportunity to go on ECAS um, with the Premier League, uh, the Elite Coach Apprenticeship Scheme, and and uh, I was the first coach to go go from here. Uh, so it was I was a little. Um, uh, in the dark, really, around what I was going into, if I'm honest. Um, but it's, it's very much around that, your personal development. Um, and it, it's a, a wonderful program that we were part of, uh, very well supportive. Um, we had mentors uh, delegated to us as well who were, who were first class and, and helped me tremendously. Um, and throughout that journey, we had some wonderful experiences. We had some some wonderful residential opportunities. Uh, guest speakers um, and and so as a, as a development process for me, it was invaluable uh, and as I say, certainly at that stage where i think my my own self awareness and it was heightened in terms of, of what i've seen around me in this environment and and how I was developing and and what i'd seen previously in my career um it it really helped me to to develop and grow further as a person i think and that that kind of growth mindset as you said and and being more receptive to to feedback and and um and delving a bit deeper into the, the what's and the why's of how you work and what you do, uh, whether that's yourself or, or getting feedback from your peers is uh, uh, a process that's quite difficult to work through initially, I think, to, to take and accept some of that, but very, very valuable. And, and as soon as we were sort of educated in, in how to work in that way, um, it became a, an integral part of my learning. And, and now you look back and you reflect and, and build upon that trying to move forward again and in my current role, I'm now fortunate to be part of EHOC, which is a, a very similar process for the Heads of Coaching. And um, again, it's a programme I'm very fortunate to be part of. So as learning experiences for me, um, I didn't really have to chase those. I was fortunate to be part of them. Um, but it, it opened up a tremendous network of people for me, uh, looking at you know business and management, uh, communication, feedback, uh, different sports, Um a real eye-opener and from that I've made made some wonderful friends and, and some wonderful contacts and who I keep in touch with and, uh, you know, it's really been very, very enlightening for me.
0: Okay, so excellent. So tell us now about your transition into the, the PDP, the professional development phase. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, how did that come about and that, those experiences and, and that working with the those players that age? Uh,
1: again, it was a, a natural process inside, you know, recruitment process in, internally at the football club and I was fortunate to get the role. Um, In in terms of the under-18 group at that time, we had some exciting players and and some exciting talents. Um, We we had some really good recruitment in in those years that I was involved with that group. Um, You know, and players sort of coming in from abroad as well. Um, So, you know, all of those things, again, I think if you look at our philosophy here around developing the person and and the the player, you know, front and centre, is you you have people away from home. Um, Even the local players that, that come into... Uh, you know, host families for the first time, you know, get homesick, even if the families are only an hour or an hour hour and a half away. So, you know, you can imagine the the difficulties and the challenges for the international players. And and so looking after the players um, just holistically is is a challenge. And then, you know, developing in this environment, you know, where, uh, you know, it does get competitive and they want to be in the team every week and they then want to be progressing to the 23s and, and moving forward um again really really interesting for me really interesting part of my journey um and and you look back at at many of those aspects in terms of of how we did it how we tried to create the environment you know and and i think as the club here we we continue to kind of build on that year on year um and the kind of coaching model we have now and the, the way we work now is is built upon that and again looks very different again but um
0: I well, think it's a bit of tell the us,
1: philosophy here, you know, just to try and be us, progressive and keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. So, let's to interrupt you, mate. So just, so, just tell us a bit about that environment. How do you create that environment that, you know, you're creating players? Well, that environment, you know, for that transition to the first team. Tell us a little bit about that. How do you do that? What's the difference between the 16s and the 18s, for example? Uh, yeah, I, I think as I come through, it's, it's just step by
1: step. As I say, we have a, a strong philosophy here. Um, we're, we're very well supported across the football club. Um, very much a, a values-based club in, in terms of staff and in terms of the environment we try and create. Um, we've, we're very big on our academy values of, of hard work, discipline and respect. So um, again, off the back of all of that work we've done previously, we've kind of established that kind of culture where I think everyone understands what we want from the, from the people involved. Uh, I think we're developing our culture as a, as a group of staff and a, a multidisciplinary team, you know, and, and working in a more interdisciplinary way, trying to bring everyone together. Um, to try and support the players. And I think that's something that's been really key over the years, you know, is, is we've kind of had had groups of staff that work really well at certain age groups and, and more and more now it's kind of all working together on the same page to, to try and reach our target of, of getting players into first team. And, that, and that's something that comes all the way through the football club, you know, in terms of our, our owner and the board. Um, Dan as our technical director now and, and John as our academy manager. You know, we're very much aligned to that, and I think that's uh, a strength now that we can uh, take forward uh, into the years ahead. But um, that, that sort of collaborative approach for us has been vital in, in creating the environment that we discussed.
0: Do you, do you keep in mind, for example, you know, are you looking at how the first team's playing, then that's, you're trying to reflect that to give those boys a taste of that, or is the philosophy from the 80s down was the same? Or I mean, how does that impact what you're doing on, on the pitch? Yeah, as I said, I think we're, we're very much principles-based. So
1: we, we, we've kind of uh, worked over the last 18 months to really establish uh, why we do what we do. Uh, we had a, a good look at the environment we try and create around the, the different ages and stages. Uh, after that, we had a good look at our playing philosophy um, across the ages in terms of, of what we think it looks like and then in reality, how we, how we play and how we train, uh, the type of language we use, how we play through the thirds, you how know, we defend through the thirds. Um, and, and that's kind of given us that alignment. As I said, a, a big part of, of my time here is, is we've always been allowed sort of autonomy to, to coach and work. And, and John would always encourage us to uh, coach what's in front of us in terms of the game, you know, and, as, and that being part of the education for the players as well. So uh, it's that, that balance really of, of collaboration and, and having that continuity through our age groups. But also allowing people to work and develop themselves and, and develop the players as they see fit. So it, it's kind of giving people that that bit of freedom to work within the structure, if you like.
0: Do you have like a, a, a preferred formation you'd like the teams to play in the older age groups? Uh, not necessarily.
1: No, not necessarily. Um, we've been talking a lot about it lately, actually. You know, in terms of, of how we start to pin down more and more detail. Uh, and again, you know, we, we need to be flexible. I, I think, as, as you've seen, you know, we've, we're quite flexible at first team level and some of the players that have gone in to the first thing from the academy have played in different roles. So I think we're conscious we need to develop players that uh, are players that can cope and be adaptable, um, as I say, techn- technically and tactically. And uh, and that's something really that, that remains our priority. Um, so we're not too prescriptive, um, but we do have principles that we work to uh, and we try and maintain that across the academy. And we've linked that into how we play and how we analyse games and, and the type of best practice resources that we would develop. So... Um, in that in that respect, we try and as I say, it's a little bit of a challenge at times because if you do give that flexibility at times, you know, we'll deviate slightly from where we think we need to be. But again, then you come back to that collaborative approach and those discussions and, and make sure we realign to to what we are and uh, and find another way to go forward.
0: So, for instance, if you're like setting up your team on a on a game day on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you, are you setting up? You setting up a team? Think your formation? Think you're right? What players have I got? To, what formation have I got to suit those players? Or what formation you know was going to suit the way we want to play, basically, or is it a bit of both? I mean, how? how um, yeah, those a little bit
1: of both. I, I think the, the way we work through the thirds is is we, um, you know, you know, there may be days where we press. There may be days where we play a little bit deeper. Um, you know, there, there may be days where we we play out. There may be days where we we play a little more direct into the front players, or, or we stretch in behind. Um, but for all of those things, there'll be a way we would like to see it. So we're not prescriptive on, you know, you have to play out, you have to press, you have to do these certain things uh, specifically. Um, But when you see those things in the games, you know, and across our teams, then we want them to reflect a Brighton team and it looked like a Brighton team doing it. So um, more and more we're developing the philosophy, more and more we're starting to now dig deeper into that detail. Um, So that's not to say that won't again change and evolve. And I think the more discussions we have, the more layers we put onto it. So uh, very much that would be a work in progress, I think, and something that will continue to develop.
0: Um, and what do you? How do you measure success, for example, in the you know in that in the PDP? Yeah I, the first I think, team or or? yeah, I think contracts.
1: Yeah, I think certainly you know number one priority would be to, to be get people in the first team. You know, if not, then we, we've had a, a number of players go on to. Uh, careers at other clubs, which is great, and stay in the game. Uh, outside of that, again, going back to that, that educational model and that holistic approach here, we want people to be, you know, well-rounded, well-educated if if we can and support them with that. We've had players go to, to the US on scholarships uh, or into other jobs, you know, so we're, we're very proud of that. You know, some of our, our players that have left us slightly younger have gone into university. Um, you know, we're very supportive of all of those things. I, I think that's... That's really part of our duty of care to the players is to make sure we provide them the best we can. At, at 16, we would always have a, a variety of options for them. You know, whether they're coming in as scholars or, or they're released from the football club, and we would try and support them to the very very best of our ability. So, uh, we're very, very conscious of that. But yeah, our priority is is to get players into the team, and, and then we would sort of work down through through those different areas.
0: And tell us about like the the FA Youth Cup. It's quite a unique sort of um, mm-hmm. experience, or quite a unique tournament. How, how important is that? Is it important people put too much stock in it? I mean, tell me about the FA Youth Cup. Uh,
1: yeah, I, th- I think it's important to people and uh, you know, it's a, it's a great competition. I think it's something we've all been part of. I, I know the, the games that we were involved in when we worked with the 18s, it was something the players looked forward to and the staff looked forward to. Um, again, it's something you want to compete in and you want to go as far as you can. That would be our, our approach here. Uh, at the same time, outside of that, there's a bigger picture. Uh, which is always about the players and their individual development. Um, but no, certainly it's something we want to do well in. Certainly it's something that the club always back us with. You know, in, in my time with the under-18s, we had some nice evenings at the Amex. Uh, I think both years I had the 18s we lost on penalties actually in the Youth Cup. Mm-hmm. So we have, have mixed memories of it. So, uh, But they're, they're great nights um, and we've had some great games over the years. You know, we've, we've had a lot of uh, big games against good clubs and... Um, they're great nice to play. You know, go and play at the stadiums under the floodlights, and you know certainly when they have the opportunity, you know, with their families there, they're, they're great memories. And and again, that that's something you know they'll treasure forever, whether they they stay in the game or not. So it's a, again another nice part of their journey, I think.
0: What's your thoughts on like competition generally? I mean, particularly in the younger age groups of academy football, do you think maybe there's not enough competition? Or I mean, no, recently in last year there's been a lot more. You know, uh, cups added, Floodlight Cup, and different sorts of different, you know, foundation phase. Do you think there's maybe a lack of competition, or do you think there's enough? I mean, what's, what's your uh, Yeah, I, I think more and more now there's,
1: there's a nice variety. I think the, the Premier League and, and the, uh, the Football League have done a really good job, as you say, in terms of putting on different events. Um, you know, if you look across the Academy program now, you'd have know, the regular games program, there would be. Uh, in, in regular seasons, a, a host of tournaments available. You know, we will be fortunate to take teams abroad. Um, the Premier League would run tournaments here, you know, with all the qualifiers and different events. Uh, you know, with the, the younger age groups now, they're very creative in terms of the type of events they put on around bio-banning and different aspects there. So, uh, I, I think the variety is key for the players. Um, as, as much as we say it's not competitive, you know, most of the players know to score at the weekends anyway. And, um, you know, that's still something that they're aware of. Um, certainly it wouldn't be a, a big focus for us here. Um, their, their development would be our priority. Um, and I, but I think that's mainly because we do have a nice variety now and we do have um, activities and events we can go to and compete. Uh, and I think it's important they learn that, you know, winning mentality is part of our, our academy philosophy. So it's, it's not something that we would hide away from. Um, but it's something that I think needs to be progressive and needs to be kept in context, you know, through their younger years and, and developing them as young players. Um, and then as it gets more competitive, obviously, you know, the level of competition cranks up a little bit. And uh, as you say, with, with the Youth Cup and, and events like that, uh, then progressing to under-23s and Premier League two, um, you know, the, the, the players and the, the staff and the club would want us to do well.
0: Interesting. OK, let's just talk then, move on then to, uh, to your role, um, your, mm-hmm. the, your next role at the club assistant academy manager. Tell us about that, I mean, that transition. Yeah, that that was an interesting
1: transition for me. I'd, I'd, I'd finished in a similar role at Pompey, um, and so it was. A, I've always sort of quite enjoyed the bigger picture kind of view on stuff, um, and, and it was an interesting uh, period here. Uh, as I said, we we sort of had a, a big influx of players, um, and uh, the the groups have continued to evolve. And, and I think at the time, you know, the the amount of staff in the building, I think, you know, when I'd started the. The year before, I think there was only four or five staff and we're at the equivalent of maybe 40 staff in the academy for that thing. So everything had just grown and grown and grown. So um, again, alongside John and Paul at that period, uh, it was it was just a, a role that was put in place to, to help manage all of that really. Um, and it was an exciting period for me, um, working alongside those guys, uh, developing different areas of it. As I said, that's where we had a real good look at our values and our environment. Um, you know, we'd been in the training ground for a few years then. Um, you know, and now we had a, a good idea of how we thought we could maximise the, the use of the facility and the resources at hand. Uh, we very much wanted to make sure our culture was was created now. Uh, the, the values were sort of realigned um, and that became our, our sort of code of conduct we use with our players and our families. Uh, so again, sort of holistically and, and around the players' uh, progress, that was, that was key for us. And then we started to look then more, more and more at the programme and, and develop the programme. So, again, working alongside Noddy and, and all the, the great work that had gone on there to sort of develop the programme. Uh, initially, we started looking at different aspects of that and, and ways we could continue to improve and, and grow. You know, the, the club is ambitious and continues to move forward. And, and that's certainly something that we felt we needed to reflect in the academy.
0: So Noddy Paul Holder, as yeah. um, people know, him, legend in that mm-hmm. lifetime, bit of a character. So he was head of coaching, was he? And you were the assistant yeah. assistant, academy manager.
1: Yeah, Paul was head of coaching. I was the academy right. manager. So again, another yeah. another great person to learn from, and yeah. um, as you know, some some brilliant ideas on the game. And, and and Paul would have been you know really supportive of me when I was was coaching as well. So uh, so tell yeah, us a bit about him. Thank him for.
0: So then, just tell us what was your roles then? I'm interested to understand the difference because obviously we'll talk about your head of coaching in a minute. So what were your yeah. what were your sort of like your day-to-day you know roles and responsibilities as assistant academy manager?
1: Uh, mine would be more I guess in terms of the the department generally. So as you know, like I say, when you're talking about 40 staff and, and lots of different departments now, you know, there's a lot, a lot in terms of administration. There's a lot in terms of um, logistical work around the, the teams and uh, PMA and, and recording all of the, the data. You know, and as I said more and more we looked at trying to collaborate more as a multidisciplinary team so a big part of my role would would be joining up with some of the dots i guess at that period in between all the different departments you know psychology was continuing to grow analysis departments getting bigger uh, strength and conditioning team sports science coaching department um so yeah it was it was a again exciting time for me because i was on my e journey so so being the, part of all those elite environments on ECAS and and seeing Olympic sports and, and going to different clubs and, and bringing back ideas it was kind of looking at different ways we could grow and develop so so for me I guess it was more on a, a wider scale across the academy in terms of, of trying to develop in that manner
0: What, what were, the main, what were the, 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 the main challenges associated with that new role? Uh,
1: again I think you go, you go back then to sort of your early days where, where primarily you're dealing with all the different people you know so you've got all different people You know, all in, in their own areas and, and, and trying to find the the win-wins, I guess, you know, it's uh, people have have sort of certain things at certain times that are their priorities and different timescales and, um, you know, that's that's a big department to then bring everything together. So I I think the biggest thing is just uh, constantly you work with people to try and align those things, collaborate, uh, bring people together to to discuss and, and like I say, find a a way forward, um, you know, to create something really exciting. And, And I think we've always approached it in that way. So... As, as much as challenges of trying to do that, I, I think more here it's a case of we're constantly looking to evolve and develop and grow. So you're, you're trying to sort of bring all those things together, then get everyone around the table and go, right, how can we, how can we move it forward? How can we attack that problem? Um, or how can we create something new? You know, so in, in more ways for me, I think it was, it was more of an exciting development journey than, uh, than dealing with challenges and problems.
0: I've seen quite new experiences then, considering I mean, from you know, I assume you didn't spend as much time on the grass then, with the with the players. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. A lot a lot of time with the, with the staff here, not so much time on the grass. I've I've been fortunate that I've, I've still been able to coach um, across my time here. So it's, uh, certainly that that keeps me active and uh, and I still enjoy that. But uh, yeah, it would have been more with the program and with the staff. Um, and again, going back back to that last point, I, th- I think that's a reflection of the staff here because it's, it's very hard to. Have that approach and, and look to keep moving forward if you haven't got staff that are prepared to do it you know um a big part of my journey as i said was ecas and me developing that kind of growth mindset around myself my own self-awareness of of my blind spots and areas i needed to improve um, so to bring a, a department together and, and to focus everyone in and and us all try and move forward as we do here i think is testament to the to the staff that we have um and we have some really really good people you know from a a variety of backgrounds who can all bring different things and, and again i think we just try and find the best way to do that
0: interesting so then to so tell us about then your transition to head of coaching and this is your mm-hmm. once you your last you know last step on this yeah yours yeah the, the, the current role is interesting for me
1: again we sort of um we, we had uh a summer uh, before last a, a period where we could kind of sit and reflect a little i guess um and and literally, you know, started not from scratch, but to build upon all the good work that had gone before. We we sort of just looked at, at what we do and and went through all those different areas: how we create the environment, uh, how we deliver to the teams. As I said, we looked at the type of language we use, how we play through the thirds. Okay, what does that really look like? You know, rather than just words on the table, what does that look like visually? Or do we all agree on that? Is that right for our players? How does that link into our individual development plans? Um, and, and we really sort of had a, had a good look at ourselves. Um, on top of that, then we look at how we code games and analyse games and, and how we reflect on ourselves and our work and, and try and get a bit more objective data back to support that, to support the subjective view. Um, and, and that's been our journey, really. So the, the staff have all been involved in that. And uh, as I say, you know, brilliant ideas from, from a number of good people. Uh, so it's really been a, a sort of whole department approach, really, to do that. Uh, and for me, it's then similar, I guess, in, in ways, the assistant academy manager role where you're then sort of spending time with people and, and making sure those things are happening and working and, and what support they need uh, to make that possible. Um, and, and we continue to just sort of grow and grow now. So there's, there's sort of new ideas coming in all the time on how we can progress and develop. Um, and I, I think part of it is, is again, that, that club sort of vision uh, which holds us all in line, you know, from the from the owner all the way through the football club. There's a, a strand of what we're here to do. And again, with those values, so, you know, it's easy to keep everyone on track and not deviate from that because it, it runs so strongly through the football club.
0: The head of coaching role is quite interesting, actually, isn't it? Because obviously now, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's um, built into the EPPP. But what I notice and what a lot of people say as well, it, it, what it, it differs quite, you know, and differ quite a lot from club to club so tell us a bit about your you know what's your main roles and responsibilities as the head of coaching for example what's a typical week look for you look like for you at the club?
1: Um, yeah yeah I, I think firstly I'd, I'd agree entirely I think when we all get together on Hog, we all have sort of slightly different approaches to, to how the role is, is delivered um, here for me a, a normal week would be, be sort of coming in and, and getting around the groups as, as much as I can so I, I normally try and see um, every group if I can at, at some stage. Um, with the 16s and 18s and 23s, uh, as I said, we do a lot of individual work and a, a lot of small group work. So at times I'll still get out and coach with the guys, which um, for me, I find really helpful because then, then I can see firsthand how everything's working and operating mm. and, you know, if I'm delivering as part of it. So that, that gives me some good reflection good reflecting myself. Um, but obviously that gives me the opportunity to spend a lot of time with the staff um, which we were able to do with those groups. As I said, on a, on a normal year, um, not currently for obvious reasons, but on a normal year, we'd have the, the kids on a day release. so You get good opportunity to see those players. Um, with younger groups currently, it's a little more of a change because of the restrictions due to COVID. Um, but again, I, I would then sort of have a, an evening um, where I'd spend uh, with the foundation phase, try and get around the youth development phase teams, try and catch up with all the staff. Um, and that would be sort of how the week pans out, really, sort of a, a couple of days with the, the PDP and then different evenings and, and times with the, the other groups. Uh, aside from that, then it's different meetings. Um, we would normally have a, a meeting with our recruitment team on a Monday. We, we have a meeting with our psychology team, with all our coaches around um, our development as a department. Um, so we, we try and sort of make sure there, there's development and learning for us all within that week. Uh, and then obviously you have the normal sort of logistical elements in terms of us operating as a department. Um, aside from that, I just try and get involved in lots of the projects and, and we try and sort of run some exciting stuff, so linking in with the analysis team, with our strength and conditioning team, um, the psychology uh, team here now, as I say, we meet every week um, around different sort of areas of development, whether that be ourselves or with the players or, or different aspects of uh, our work. Um, So I I, I get involved in lots of really good stuff and, um, you know, it's a a role I enjoy, a role I find, exciting. Um, As I said, the only problem really is you you find more and more and and the more you listen to good people and you hear new ideas and you see more things, uh, the more you realise there is to do. So it, it never really stops.
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a busy role, from what I hear, from what people tell me. So, would you say, like, you you know, you're pretty much responsible for the day to day running of the club, and you know, you know, make you know everything that's going on from, you know, from player development and coach development.
1: Um, I, I, I don't really view it like that. I, I think I kind of view it more as, as just collaborating with with all the staff we have. Um, ultimately, I guess you know there would be responsibilities attached to me for that, which is fine um in in terms of how i go about it as, as i said probably based upon the the work that that's always been um done with me here you, you're trying to give the staff that autonomy to to work and develop and grow themselves as well so uh we try not to be too prescriptive um again some sometimes we'll, we'll try and keep things aligned and, and we'll try and sort of make sure we stay on track and on path um, but generally that's something we've all agreed to anyway Um, So, yeah, I guess in in some ways it would be the case. I think in terms of how I try and work, it's more collaborating with the staff and staff all the time will come to me with new ideas and and different ways they've uh, looked at the game last week or uh, different things we can bring to the table for a group discussion. And and so, yeah, again, it's really trying to harness all of that in in many ways and and find win-wins for us all and, and find exciting new projects we can take forward. So, uh, it's a, it's a little bit of both, but but here with the staff, as I say, they're very forward thinking and they uh, like to progress and they want to develop the players and, and the club's very ambitious, so it, it seems to be a, a relatively easy process for us to field that. You know.
0: So, and tell us about how you develop coaches. I mean, that's part of your responsibility as well as is uh, the coach development. Mm-hmm. I, I assume that's part. So, tell us a bit about how that works and. You know, what are the challenges, what do you do at Brighton to support your coaches is, you know, restricting themselves as much as possible?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm learning all the time uh, myself, and I, I'd, be, I'd be the first to say that. Um, but what we've we've tried to do is uh, we have the coach competency framework in place for everybody, so um, everyone has their own uh, development plan based around that. Uh, we have a, a full sort of PDR process here as well, so that, that's all aligned. Um, so the, the staff have sort of targets for the year that they want to work on uh, with their CCF. It's more about them on a personal level in terms of uh, them having a look at themselves in different areas, you know, personal type um, areas around their work-life balance and uh, their their own sort of self-care, um, their professional skills, you know, their coaching delivery. Uh, then we we try and support them the best we can. Again, I I can't support everyone with that. I I wouldn't be the best person to. We have we have some wonderful people in the building that that people can go to for advice and help. You know whether that's Dan or John, uh, Vic Bragg and some of the other senior staff that have been around the football club for a long period. Um, you know we have that support from our psychology team. As I, I said, sort of some of my mentors and Ecas are outside of the program and and from different areas. So. I try and encourage the staff to to get involved in in different projects and speak to different people. So we try and do that. We try and provide a CPD programme that reflects that, um, different sports, um, different study visits. Uh, We're very well supported by the Premier League and the FA in terms of staff coming in, as as all the clubs would be. Um, So, yeah, we try and package up. Again, similar to the players, I guess, where we're talking about a range of experiences, I guess that's what we're trying to create for the staff.
0: So how often do you meet each coach, for example, to go over there? Their uh, we would meet with it.
1: the staff, um, I, I guess informally, as I say, you try and catch up with most coaches week to week. Um, so it's, it's an ongoing process in, in terms of the more formal aspects. We would, we would meet uh, sort of two or three times a year, uh, more formally around their, their professional development, around their coach competency framework. Um, but yeah, again, it doesn't, doesn't really stop, I think. Again, it's bringing those things to life. So it's not just having you know scores on paper or or having that framework in place. It's it's being with them. It's it's experiencing you know time with them on the grass and and having discussions with them. And I think that's really where everything's done. But um, again, I'm I'm learning similar to my coaching journey, trying to trying to improve on that in, in terms of my communication and providing feedback and and how I can challenge and support staff appropriately. So again, it's something you know, you continue to try and improve and develop. We have great staff here that help me with that and help the staff with that. And again, very fortunately, part of the ehop journey where, um, you know, we have great mentors that I work with and, and different people I can talk with around uh, different ways to move forward. So, um, yeah, we, we try and provide growth for the staff, but also it's, a, again, another another huge part of my own personal development.
0: And, and to talk about a little bit, just briefly about the foundation phase, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about... Uh, your approach at the foundation phase. Tell us about that and, you know, what's, what's the philosophy of that, of that age group?
1: Uh, again, similar as I mentioned earlier,
0: big emphasis on the brilliant basics. Um, we
1: have some great staff down there, you know, really passionate about what they do. Um, obviously, there the, the challenges with the amount of, of work involved now is, is difficult with part-time staff, having been one of the part-time staff myself. You know, back in the day, you, you appreciate the, the time constraints on, on some of those staff. Uh, but they do a great job for us. Um, the department continues to grow all the time. Um, big focus on the brilliant basics. Again, big focus on attacking 1v1s and defending 1v1. Um, and as I described earlier, there would be different aspects of the week, you know, where we'll, we'll really break it down and have small groups of the players so the staff can really focus on some depth and detail. And then as they progress through the phase, we try and ensure that that transition to 11v11 is smooth and kind of start to introduce... Uh, principles that will stand them in good stead for the for the 11v11 11 11 game, but uh, again, that needs to be very progressive, and something we're, we're very conscious of. At the same time, around all of those areas, you know, it's um, then linking with recruitment and our recruitment staff. have done a wonderful job for us recently, you know, in terms of developing that aspect. And as I said, that's something we've been fortunate throughout the years here. Um, and then aligning with that multidisciplinary type team around a, a two-week rolling programme um, just to try and get all of our work in. But, but generally, there would be uh, arrival activities, um, ball manipulation work, work around their individual development plans. Uh, there would always be an aspect of, of brilliant basics-type work throughout the week, which um, you know, may be some element of passing or ball manipulation or technical work. Um, we would always have attacking and defending 1v1s. Uh, and then we would have different themes that we would work to, again, at, at how we play through different aspects of the game. Uh, throughout the week, then we'd always look at other aspects of their individual development plans. You know, whether that's defensive aspects or finishing techniques or, or different things. So um, the, our, our weeks here are hard to describe purely because we try and get so much into them. So there'll be different aspects of different sessions. Um, you know, certain groups will arrive, but it won't be the same arrival activity. There'll be two or three different things going on uh, for different types of players, and uh, similar through the sessions. You know, we try and cater, as I said, for everyone individually. Uh, and then bring that together as as that progresses and develops through the program. So um, there's always lots going on. We always want the staff to be really, really active. Um, we always want uh, lots of activity in terms of high reps. We've had some brilliant discussions around repetition versus uh, skill acquisition, um, you know, in, in terms of how we can develop that. So that's a, a real priority for us at the moment to try and really get technical excellence but ensure that's with decision making and, it, and experiences within the game um, so that's a big project that we have uh, on the go um, that the staff are looking at but they're, they're doing a great job in terms of bringing all those things together and as as I said you, you appreciate that's a, a big challenge with a, a number of players at Foundation and, and part time staff who have other things going on in their lives but um, they're, they're working very very hard and um, you know we really appreciate that.
0: Is there? Do they normally work through like a tactical cycle, for example? Or is there themed weeks, on that can be the foundation phase and the YDP? I mean, how does that work?
1: Yeah, we kind of have themes. As I say, we work through the thirds, and then we, we basically would have, have sort of an aspect of, of that that we would we would focus on week to week, uh, and then we'd have another area that maybe would oppose that, and and then then work on that the, the next week. So it allows us to kind of then follow up. So. Uh, you know, we might have playing out one week, and uh, and then we might have some aspects of pressing, and and bring the two together, you know, and and things like that as an example. So, we would look at how we play through the thirds, and we would develop that in. But at those stages, as I say, it's it's more around the individuals understanding, you know, the individual sort of tactics within that. Um, and as they move closer to the the youth development phase, then it'd be more in the the team construct in terms of units, and then developing from there. So it, it's very much a case of um, you know positional sort of understanding and individual tactics developing into the team um, but as you know you know the the players at those ages you you try not to pinpoint into a certain area anyway and there's certain players that play different positions so again I think variety is key so we, we try and provide that that sort of wealth of experiences for them
0: and what about just about European football competitions uh, you know for youngest age groups mm-hmm. 9s 10s 16s uh, tournaments do you take part in and do you see importance of those sorts of things
1: yeah, we do. They, 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 it's been something that's again that's grown and developed here. So um, most teams will be fortunate to have uh, you know two or three probably a year. Um, you know some clubs would do more. I think we we feel very fortunate that we're able to do what we can. Uh, it's a big part of our program. Uh, we're very well supported by the club to be able to do that. Um, and certainly our, our our sort of status as coming into it. the Premier League has, has sort of helped our reputation with that. And the, the more tournaments you go to, that continues to grow. Um, It's a big part of our our work with the players and, uh, you know, you learn so much at those events, you know, that, again, the players away from home, um, you know, how they sleep, you know, the ones that rest, ones that are, you know, recovering ready for the next day. If you've got two or three games in a day, um, you know, how they cope with a different opposition, a whole sort of host of experiences, you know, again, as people and as players and, and it's invaluable and we learn so much from them. So, we, we try and make sure they're in place. We try and have a, a bit of variety um, so that the younger teams would, would go to maybe some of the indoor events, you know, at different times of year and, and different types of events. Um, and then as we progress through, you know, again, sort of more competition and, and events that we can go to and, and try and enhance and develop that winning mentality. So, again, a balance of, of making sure people all get that experience and, and making sure we develop that as we go. So... Uh, yeah great and and again fortunate that we're involved with with great clubs and great teams and and we have a good network of people that provide some wonderful opportunities for us so again, looking back over over my career you you really appreciate the the things that we have now when you 're talking about international tournaments and and the training ground that you know i 'm sat in today and um and all the support we 're given it 's incredible
0: and tell us about yourself then what 's your own aspirations for the future? Uh, it's a good question, mate. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So um,
1: I, I kinda, I've, I've never really had much of a plan all, all the time through ECAS and EHOC. You know, we have our development action plans, and I've always struggled to have a, a final designation on it, if you like, of, of, of what I want to be. Um, I, I'm not, not sure I really know. I'm not sure I, I really. Um, have designs on anything in particular, I, I enjoy my roles uh, and I, I really focus a little more on the here and now, uh, just trying to be the best I can be at the moment, which um, maybe sounds a bit cliché, but uh, that, that's always how I've gone about it, uh, just just try and get on with my job and try and be the best I can. I, I, as I said, I'm surrounded by so many good people and, and fortunate to, to be at events with so many good people, you, you sort of realise how much more you can do and so I'm, I tend to focus more on the now trying to develop um, and, and try and find more ways to develop and grow and then, and then see where it takes me. Um, what would I base it on? Uh, my family, for sure. Uh, you know, it needs to be right for the family um, and it, it needs to be a, a project that, that excites me and you want to be part of. Um, but I, I have that right here. You know, as I, as I said, that, that's why I came here in the first place. Um, that, that still continues to be the case. Um, I really enjoy what I do. There's so much I think we can still do. Uh, I know there's masses I can do to be better. Um, so at the, at the moment, that, that's my priority. I'm not sure what the future holds, but um, but we'll see.
0: And what would your advice be to a young aspiring coach who wants to have a career in the game like yourself?
1: Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is patience. Uh, you know, I have a lot of... People sort of get in touch about how they can get involved. And um, and it, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to get started in many ways. You know, there's so many good people around the game now. Um, so many good coaches. Um, you know, the, the staff we have here, you have ex-professionals, you have um, people from different backgrounds, whether that's other sports, whether that's educational backgrounds, whether that's coach developers. So there's so many good people. So I, I think you just have to keep, keep working hard uh, just learn and experience as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I didn't work in an academy environment until, as I said earlier, I was in sort of my, my late 20s, you know. Um, and, and so it, it certainly wasn't a quick journey for me. I, I had 10, 12 years of working in community programs and development programs and uh, still going and working with my dad in his business and, and yeah. helping out, you know, all, all through that period while I played non-league. And so I, I think... At times, you just have to, to stay in as long as possible and, and sometimes have to wait for your opportunity. And, um, uh, and and as I said, I think if you then just focus on being the very, very best you can be in those moments, you know, hopefully if you, if you do well and uh, you're good at what you do, you'll you'll get what you deserve. And, uh, and I, I genuinely think that's the case and how I've always
0: tried to go about it. Ian, thank you very much, mate. It's been class. Appreciate it.
1: Pleasure. Pleasure. No, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.